Hello everybody and welcome back to Witch Fix. Today I'm going to be looking at the start of a new series of books which um, I'm going to be looking at because I've nearly finished the Wicker series at present and I've already finished the Circle of Three series. I need more long-running series because I enjoy them. I enjoy being able to talk about like multiple books at once, going through the plot lines, kind of analysing whether the writing's getting better or worse. So I've picked a new series for you guys and it is thus the Wiccan Wheel Mystery series written by Jennifer David Hess. I think that's how you say her last name. And the first one is titled Midsummer Night's Mischief. And I think they all kind of run on a Sabbath basis. So this one is about, you know, Midsummer. Now, this isn't a, a series that is aimed at teenagers, but judging from the first one, it is one that teenagers could probably read. It does kind of fall into that cosy mystery genre, as we'll see in a minute. And I'm just going to read you the blurb as it stands on Goodreads. As the summer solstice approaches in idyllic Edendale, Illinois, attorney Kelly Milani isn't feeling the magic. She's about to land in a cauldron of hot water at work. Good thing she has her private practice to fall back on as a Wiccan. She'll have to summon her inner goddess and set the world to rights. Midsummer Eve is meant for gratitude and celebration, but Kelly is not in her typically upbeat mood. The family of a recently deceased client is blaming her for the loss of a Shakespearean heirloom worth millions, and Kelly's career may be on the line. With both a renaissance fair and a literary convention in town, Edendale is rife with suspicious characters, and the intrepid attorney decides to tap into her unique skills to crack the case. But Kelly weaves a tangled web when her investigation brings her up close and personal with her suspects, incredibly sexy Wes Callahan, her client's grandson. The tattooed bartender could be the man she's been looking for in more ways than one. As the sun sets on the mystical holiday, Kelly will need just a touch of the divine to ferret out the real villain and return Edendale and her heart to a state of perfect harmony. As you can tell from the voice I was reading that in, one, I am incredibly congested today, thanks allergies, and two... I didn't really take the blurb that seriously because it's kind of spilling over with weird puns and cliches and it just kind of sounds like one of those cosy mystery books in that it's not really taking itself too seriously and it's not really making it sound like this is going to be a particularly dramatic book. Anywho, I hopped over to Amazon where it has a four out of five star rating, which is quite good, um, and I bought it. Currently the Kindle edition, which is the one that I bought uh is £4.67 which is like a weird price I think probably because they set the price in dollars and then the Kindle UK price is just kind of derived from that um so I think that's what I must have paid for it but you can get mass market paperback versions of it um I just didn't bother I just bought it on the Kindle it's part of like a backlog of various Kindle stories that I bought for a trip and I'm just getting around to now I came to this off the back of a slightly more hard-boiled police novel so perhaps I wasn't really in the right frame of mind to jump back into cozy mystery land but what I enjoy about a cozy mystery is the kind of getting to know the character aspect you get personally invested into them their own grievances their own enemies you enjoy their highs you commiserate with their lows and you get to sort of soak in the cozy setting while you're reading the book usually because it's you know involving a bakery or something else twee and lovely like a bookshop uh, so lawyer was kind of a weird career choice, but I appreciate it. It's definitely a valid one. And I was kind of looking forward to there being 
a lot of conflict with the fact that it's revealed very early on that Kelly herself is in the broom closet. She's not out to anybody as a Wiccan, except her local esoteric shop owner. She particularly feels that this would be quite damaging to her career as a lawyer because she sees the very logical nature of her job, the very serious work that she does as being at odds with her to some very fantastical and out there beliefs. So I could appreciate that and I thought that we were going to get some plot relevant stuff out of that but that wasn't really explored in any real sense. She worries a couple of times that she might be seen going to the witch shop but aside from that it just doesn't come up. Now according to Amazon this thing is 352 pages long. It felt longer to be honest. There's a lot of scenes or really sort of I would describe them as escapades so they're like chapter long deviations to a new location with new stuff going on and different problems arising for instance one chapter they go to a casino on a riverboat and there's like a funny thing where they try and hide from a guy and this guy that they are hiding in a room with thinks that they're there for a wild west photo shoot so they put costumes on and they take a wild west photo shoot and then buy the pictures and then she runs into a west and it's all embarrassing because she's dressed up like a wild west person and then they leave they basically find out no useful case information during this except that two of the guys who they think are suspects um also wes and another guy with a scar on his face are all at the casino and therefore linked to it in some way and given that they followed one of those guys to the casino anyway, there wasn't a huge amount of point in this whole extended escapade with all the stuff going on that lasts for a whole chapter, which is just kind of boring to read, to be honest. And that was the issue that I had with a large majority of the book. One, that it seemed to take a really long time for us to get any useful case information and the ways in which that happened were very drawn out and very peculiar. And two, that there aren't really any moments where the book is exciting. It kind of moves along at the same pace the whole way through. It's very monotonous in pace. There's very little peril or sense of danger. At one point, Kelly is suspended from her job and therefore has to focus more intently on the case and try to find the lost folio before she's fired. And at that point, you do feel a mild sense of like personal jeopardy for her. But one, she's very quickly then unsuspended and two even when she's meant to be focusing on that case she then instantly takes a different case from someone else who is the girlfriend of someone she works with who's concerned that her partner might be cheating on her so she breaks into that guy's office to have a look around and that's how they end up at the riverboat casino which obviously does a little bit to push along the main plot line of who stole the folio because it's all tied up in the idea of the suspect having a gambling problem or gambling debts that they needed to steal the book to pay off but at the same time they could have got that just by following some of the family members you didn't need the whole bit where they break into this guy's office to look around and although yes that does become relevant later in the denouement it felt like we were getting way too little information out of these very long convoluted scenes and I just wasn't here for it there was very little driving me through the book I think part of the reason that I had such little patience with the very slow way that the story unfolds is the fact that it doesn't actually involve a murder, which I was kind of hoping it would. So basically the plot goes down because this old lady who is a local um, is represented by Kelly and she finds this book in her attic which belonged to her husband, which is a copy of Shakespeare's plays. It's like a really famous copy from a very limited 
run of copies that they made a really long time ago and I wasn't paying that much attention when they explained it but I, I got the point that it was extremely valuable and worth millions of dollars. So then that lady unexpectedly dies uh, at her home and then on the day of the visitation, like the wake, um, when they go and see the body at the funeral home, the folio is stolen from her home because she hasn't put it in a bank vault or anything sensible like that. And that becomes the big mystery. But at the sort of scene of the crime when the book is discovered to be missing one of her relatives says that they want an autopsy done on her body because she was in really good health and then suddenly drops dead of a heart attack this does not add up so i was kind of waiting for it to escalate into a full-blown case of murder which it never actually does they talk to that character again some ways on into the novel and she's just like oh yeah they did an autopsy and turns out it was a heart attack and i was like oh cool so at that point, I didn't really have a lot pushing me forward in the story because I didn't particularly care about the book um, enough to find out who'd taken it. The identity of the thief wasn't something that I was terribly interested in finding out. There were only about four serious suspects. There were a couple other people that Kelly looks sideways at, like a bookseller and one of the uncles who's really into Shakespeare and wanted to keep the folio in the family. They're not really serious suspects because no real evidence is presented that they could have done it. So your four suspects are, and this is going to get spoilery more so than it has already been, so get ready. The four suspects are Wes, who is Kelly's new squeeze, Wes's brother, Rob, who has a gambling problem and has recently stolen a bunch of Wes's money to fund said gambling problem. A guy who Kelly works with called Crenshaw, who's kind of like a Fraser Crane kind of stuffy busybody type character who she works with and who she doesn't like very much. In fact, the first scene that you see him in, he's standing behind her criticising her for buying a muffin because women shouldn't eat sugar, I guess, or whatever he's getting at. And basically, there's a lot of animosity when she is suspended. He ends up moving in on some of her clients and telling them that she isn't coming back, which is obviously not what happens, so she doesn't like him very much. The other suspect is another guy called Jeremy, who at the start of the book, he's kind of this like lad in that kind of like Barney from How I Met Your Mother type way. He's just very kind of like calling everyone bro and hitting on people and being inappropriate. But she gets drunk and kisses him at the bar, so he kind of becomes semi-involved with her in this kind of like her always dreading seeing him and wondering what's going on type way. And he's a suspect because he's a guy who knew about the folio at her law firm. Because the only people who knew about it were the family and her law firm. And we know it's a guy because, like, the prologue is from a male's perspective as he steals the book from the house. There are some problems with this setup, and maybe it's just me, but out of those four suspects, those four being the only ones who really have any kind of motive, you can throw in the uncle who loves Shakespeare if you want, but it's pretty obvious that he didn't do it. We've got West, who is the love interest, so it's highly unlikely that he's going to be the one who did the do. It's going to look like he did for a while for, you know, conflict or whatever, but that really never really occurs in terms of conflict. But he's definitely not going to be the one that did it. You've got Rob, the gambler, who so obviously did it that he can't possibly have done it. So we can rule him out right away because the book is trying so hard to make us focus in on Rob. There's the guy that the main character Kelly hates, Crenshaw, but because she hates him, it's highly unlikely that it's going to be him. 
you know, the book's not going to dispose of her main work antagonist in such a clumsy way of having him be the thief because she would like him to be. It just doesn't seem very likely. So then you are left with only one suspect, Jeremy. Jeremy, who is just enough of a love interest in that they've made out that there's a personal connection there and she can feel reasonably be betrayed by him. But not so much of one that his loss in the first book really takes anything from the story. He's also kind of a douche. You see him at the casino. Um, also, the fact that we go into this plot line of him like potentially cheating on his girlfriend and going to the casino all the time puts him very much in the frame. And the telltale moment, the only clue that really the story gave me that I remembered. I don't know if there were other clues, but they go to break into his how into his office in the middle of the night to see if he's cheating on his girlfriend and wouldn't you know it he has a duffel bag under his desk when a duffel bag was seen in the hands of the thief by an eyewitness who couldn't identify the bloke but knew it was a bloke as he left the house with the book so all in all i found it quite a predictable plot quite predictable who the thief was going to be i wasn't terribly interested in even finding out the correct answer because it was just a theft not a murder and i find it very difficult to get excited about crimes that aren't as serious as murder um some of my like least favorite episodes of, like jonathan creek for example like the one where the painting's gone missing but no one's actually dead i hate that one it's just it's just terrible but i guess if you were the type of person who doesn't mind it just being kind of like a more minor crime even though the theft is of something that is worth quite a lot of money and if you don't mind the fact that it's kind of painfully obvious at least to me who the thief actually was at the end of it all and if you don't mind it being incredibly protracted as to how they actually get to that point then this might be a book that you might enjoy in terms of Kelly as a character, I didn't really get on with her very well because she's very wholesome. I kind of felt like the whole time I was in her presence, I was watching an Instagram fitness blog that I could not unfollow. Because every like scene, she either mentions the fact that she's vegan, eats a vegan food item that she declares is definitely vegan, drinks a cold pressed juice and tells you exactly what she's putting in it or does some yoga so that's all very wholesome and lovely but I really wished that instead of spending two pages telling us about how she got up had an invigorating shower did some sun salutations then drank a celery apple and ginger zinger for extra ping in her work day they had actually just you know gotten on with the investigation more than just telling me about the things that she was doing However, I did like her in some aspects. There was definitely a good amount of like witchy Wiccan content. She does a couple of spells, a couple of rituals, sort of talks about like looking at the moon and musing about like her spirituality and how it affects her life and also how it would feel if other people found out and how much that worries her. So I kind of got on with her in that way. It's just the other stuff couldn't relate. The romance plotline with Wes similarly didn't really interest me. It felt kind of shoehorned in and unnecessary because at the start she was like looking for love and I guess it's Midsummer and sort of like Midsummer Night's Dream, the Shakespeare play. It's all to do with like, you know, finding lovers and things like that. But at the same time it was just kind of a crowbarred in straight romance that didn't interest me at all and had no real chemistry, so if he were to disappear between books, I wouldn't really mind. Now, if you're paying attention, uh, you may have realised that I've had quite a lot of negative things to say about this book, and that is true. Although quite a lot of them are just 
niggles it was at least a competently written book with a plot line that although it didn't really excite me and it took quite a long time to get going was competently put together and a main character who I didn't immediately find so toxic that I couldn't spend any more time with her she was kind of at the very worst bland so I could definitely read a couple more books with her in if I actually have to and hopefully she'll develop through the series so what I was thinking was I want to read the rest of this book series because I want to give it a chance because maybe in the next one there'll be a murder or a crime that I will find personally more interesting and without so much scene setting and built like introducing all the characters and all that stuff the story might actually be a bit shorter and a bit more focused on the plot so that's why I'm really kind of sticking with the series and giving it a go also it's you know, a big series, like a, a Wiccan crime series that has at least eight books in it. So it would be kind of a disservice to it to just not look at it all on the podcast because obviously it has some quite high reviews and other people really like it. And there must be something to like in that series. And I really want to find it. Also, there was kind of an ongoing mystery or two ongoing mysteries in the book that I'm semi curious to see how these turn out. And the first of this is that Crenshaw seems to have kind of a crush on Kelly. At the end of the book, she finds that he stole the Wild West photograph that she had like printed in, in an envelope in her purse. He has taken it and it's in his office, which is hella creepy that he would like steal a picture of her. But from this, she deduces that he has a crush on her, which... I don't know, maybe he was just taking it because he thought it was a stupid picture of someone he didn't, he didn't like very much. But I guess he's romantically interested in her and he did shave his beard off, whatever that means. So there we go. The other mystery is the fact that she apparently has this freewheeling hippie aunt who came to Edendale. Um, and that's one of the reasons she herself went there to kind of follow in her footsteps or find out a bit more about this elusive family member the only communication she's ever had from her are postcards that arrive like on her birthday and she received one in the book because it was her birthday during the story um the postcard that she gets i think refers to her as being beautiful and as strong and lovely inside as she is out and she reads this and then questions how her aunt would know well i think it's her aunt because obviously you know they've never met and to me it just sounded like the kind of generic lovely bullshit that you would put in a card to a relative like oh you're so beautiful and lovely and i wish you all the best for the years that are coming may they treat you well but she seems to take it incredibly literally which makes me think that there is a mystery about her aunt and where her aunt is and I'm kind of convinced that her aunt is actually the lady who runs the esoteric bookshop because she was taking kind of a big personal interest in her life to the extent that she sent her like a special card for her birthday and also gave her a tarot reading and did a spell for her and gave her another spell to do for free and gave her a love charm right at the beginning, also at no cost. So it seems like she's doing a lot for, for no reward here. So I think that maybe that lady's her aunt. And also that that lady might actually be her mum. Like, maybe she was adopted by an older family member. Maybe that kind of like Catherine Cookson-esque type EastEnders storyline. Not sure, but I'm kind of semi-interested in finding out. So I'll be giving the rest of them a look. And I thought I'd end the episode by just reading you a little bit so you get a hang of the writing style. And so I picked a section uh, from about the 43% mark. Uh, I tried to pick one which didn't have any of the aforementioned juice cleanse yoga bits in it because 
like I couldn't be bothered but this is Kelly performing a finding spell that she's been given by uh, the magic shop lady can't remember the name of the magic shop which is kind of like a hallmark of me reviewing book series is that I just don't remember the name of the magic shop but you know the magic shop so she's gonna go do her spell the shades were drawn the candles lit the altar was set walking clockwise clothed this time I cast the circle pausing at each cardinal direction to invoke the spirits of the ancient elements god of the north rooted in earth I call upon thee goddess of the east breath of knowledge I call upon thee God of the South, light of truth, I call upon thee. Goddess of the West, waters of purity, I call upon thee. Then, kneeling before the altar, I held my hands, palms downward, above the sketch I had made of the first folio. I closed my eyes, took three centering breaths, and intoned the words Mila had given me. Goddess Persephone, mistress of life, from Hades' realm you rose. Out of darkness you brought forth light, with blossoms neath your toes. Beloved Persephone, who comes and goes, as nature lives and dies, reveal for me the missing thing unveiled before my eyes. In the silence following the incantation, I kept my focus inward, my hands still hovering above the picture, and I allowed my consciousness to expand as I observed whatever vision the goddess would bring. Before long, the darkness behind my eyes lifted, as a fog lifted in a valley. I saw shelves of books, row upon row, in all sizes and colours, a hall of books. Then the books disappeared and were replaced by a lovely garden, green and verdant, with flowering trees and shrubs. I saw roses and lilacs, and I realised it was Eleanor's garden. I saw Eleanor's cheerful yellow house. Then the house and gardens began to fade, and were replaced by... Knock, knock, knock! My eyes flew open, and I fell sideways, knocked off balance by the jarring noise. I placed my hands on the floor to steady myself, feeling slightly woozy from being pulled out of the trance so suddenly. I was taking a deep breath and pushing myself to my knees when there was another round of knocks. So there you have a little brief extract of her doing the spell um, and some idea of the writing style. Although that did remind me of something else slightly annoyed me is that I really hate in books when they have dream sequences, vision sequences, or especially in like Wiccan themed books, prolonged tarot card readings where they like go through the meaning of every card and it takes pages and pages to get through. And this book had all three, so... I feel like cut at least one of those, you don't need it. And following on from that, a lot of the crime-solving elements seem to be drawn from these visions and tarot card readings instead of actual detective work. I guess the protagonist is a lawyer, so you wouldn't expect her to do real detective work, but as the protagonist of like a detective story, I expected her to do at least some looking for clues and not just relying on visions and things that she'd had. Um... Especially at the end, she takes like this massive leap of logic. This is a, a, a big spoiler, by the way, so just stop listening. But out of nowhere, she suddenly decides that the book, the, the first folio, must be hidden in the local law library. And so she goes looking there because of this vision she's had of books. But I don't know why. One, why you would hide something there that you had stolen, knowing that it could be potentially at least found, moved taken by someone else um and also why she would suddenly jump to the conclusion that it would be hidden there it just made very little sense to me and it sort of harked back to this vision as a reason i'm like well that's not the only place that there are books i mean this town must have you know a normal library it's even like described as there being a library inside eleanor's house so confusing in the extreme i'm hoping that this is just like first book 
wobbles and niggles which will eventually be ironed out so i'm moving on into the second book um when i can have the time to buy and read that on kindle because these aren't really the cheapest of ebooks they're like sort of four-ish five-ish pounds uh so i've got a couple of other things to read before then but i hope you've enjoyed it um if you've read this series if you conversely to everything that i've just said like all of those aspects of the story you know let me know i'd like to know some different opinions on this and you know how you feel about the series if you like series for example where there are no murders um or where most of the crime solving elements come from visions and tarot readings etc instead of like commonplace detective work let me know also let me know if you hate this book um, and if you don't think that the other books get better or if you again like the series and think that I won't enjoy the rest of them let me know uh, you can do so in the normal ways check the description box for links to twitter for the email address and get in touch that way and in the meantime I will see you in the next episode